So, 39. The vision is over. Yasna and Navani are... Okay, game plan time. Game plan time. Yeah. We need a strategy to beat the Voidbringers. And this is this is the scene that kind of come up with. This is within the point of view of Shalon. She's supposed to be taking the minutes. She ends up sketching Kaladin in a rustic, handsome, you know. We'll get into that here in a second. But <laughs> what the actual scene here is of Yasna is trying to get the groups together and say, okay, this is going to be our game plan. We need to find the Heralds, is what she comes up with, and kill them. Is what she is what she uh, her little punchline there. So, what were you guys' takeaways from this chapter? I'm so glad you asked. I'm so glad. I I literally I was on edge wanting to bring this up honestly for a while now, but this this is the time to get to it, you know. Um. So whenever this was presented, I was like, okay, this is kind of a. I think it's super cool. I need to preface this with I think that is incredibly cool. I would I really want us to seek out all the heralds and find them all. Like I I'm dying to hear from and see all of our heralds. Uh but I was like, okay, this seems like kind of a wild goose chase at the same time. Um I'm extremely excited for it if this is something. I don't know how it casually I don't know how it fits into our storyline. I I kind of put that on the same board as like, okay, we have 80 different major villains right now. Like, how are we going to address all of these? Um, and we're going after our heroes. Screw the villains. Yeah, we're going after the heralds. Exactly. exactly. Um, it does have a major villain in the ultimate goal, like, mind. I guess. But, but yeah, I, I got really excited, but also, like, wait, what? Like, was my thought whenever this was presented. And... I'm I'm really curious to get Elliot's thoughts. Like, I don't know if this will actually happen or if this is just an idea that's thrown out there as kind of crazy. And they'll be like, no, 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 no. Hold on, hold on. You know. Or what? When Yasna threw that out there, I did do kind of a double take. Like, wait, wait, what? Like, we want to track down these very powerful people and, uh, oh, yeah, we'll just kill them all. And it it, it makes sense-ish, Right. We need them to go back to seal the Voidbringers to, to save the day. But I have two two major issues with this. One, that's a temporary solution, as we've proven in history. They can hold them back, but they can only hold them back for so long. And if they truly are as broken and as insane as we think they might be, how long are they going to last? A year? Ten years? A hundred years? Like, if we kill them all... The Voidbringers are going to come back eventually. This is not a ultimate solution. So my mind is immediately going to okay, what what do we what do we actually need to do to fix this whole thing permanently? And that's where I went down the mental rabbit hole of my whole new oath pact idea of that that would be perhaps where this could get you know fully resolved later on. But that's issue number one I have with this. Issue number two. Let's find them all and kill them all and send them back to damnation so they can go do their job and save the rest of the world. That sounds like something Teravangian would say. Yes. Like, yes, it does. Hey, we're, we're going to kill all these people so we can save the majority. Like, uh, hold on a second. We've discussed extensively, we the podcast, about how, how terrible that is. And here's Yasna 
suggesting something similar. Definitely not, I think, on the scale that perhaps Teravangian has been executing his plan, but like full stop. This is like, whoa, hold on a second, Yasta. I so I've I've been thinking more and more about your theory on this new oath pact. And my thought, if it goes that route, if we do go this route of sending people to damnation to to fight the Voidbringers or to to trap them or whatever happens down there, you know, um, if that is the route, I feel like the solution they may come to is a new Oath Pact, but not a replacement, but an addition to, um, where it's like, okay, these 10 can't do it, but what if we had 20, you know, like... <laughs> Um, I don't know if that would ever end up being a a possibility or a solution. Um, or how that would work. That would be pretty crazy. Um, it it does. It still leaves us with the question or the problem in the, the now time where we're at with these characters is how do you defeat an enemy who reincarnate every time the Everstorm comes back? Like, that's a serious problem. I'm, I I don't know. I don't know what the characters should do. And they're standing here trying to figure this out. Do we just hunker down and protect ourselves? Do we move aggressively towards them? Do we try and fight them? Like, what's the point of fighting them if just every Voidbringer you kill is just going to come back in a few days? Like, how do you fight that? Exactly. And uh, also, uh, something I've been thinking about with that is... So it talks about how Odium has always been sealed away. Do they have to, like, kill Odium? Is that the the premise here? Is that, like, the ultimate... Let's go go get him, you know? Go kill Odium. The raid boss. Yeah, exactly. Like, the final <laughs> boss, you know? Um, it's a very interesting question. We don't have... We have a clear roadmap to sealing away the Voidbringers. We do not know how breaking the Oath Pact and resealing it and breaking the Oath Pact and resealing it affects Odium because Honor is now dead and so can Honor hold his part of the Oath Pact of holding Odium or is Odium still on Roshar even though the Voidbringers are not? And then there's a cult question of cultivation who we know nothing about at this point. <laughs> Seriously. I say we just send Bridge Four down there, and they're just unkillable story-wise. So like they'll just hold off, you know. Their plot armor's got them. Yeah, their <laughs> plot armor is very strong, so they'll they'll be fine. I did think in this scene that Kaladin is behaving very windrunnery. Yes, he's 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 speaking up for the Parchman, right, and saying, "Hey, we can't justify attacking them because the the infantry." The soldiers are actually innocent. They're just people trying to rediscover themselves. And I thought that was very appropriate for you know him. He's he's very much walking in his path he's supposed to be. But now I'm wondering about Yasna, right? So she's an else caller. Yep. Is is she is this very aggressive, very cynical, very logic over emotion? Is that like a hallmark of else callers, or is that just a Yasna thing? I know we've that, that's kind of just been Yasna as we've seen through Shalon's eyes, but I'm wondering if is she acting in line with the oaths of her 
radiant order or is she kind of outside the bounds of where she's supposed to be? I'm curious about that. Yeah, that is a good question because Kalan is fresh back from his little excursion in Kolinar and he's seen, you know, little, whatever her name was, little parchment girl who's eight and she's completely innocent. And Yasin is talking about, okay, we've got two options. Kill all the um the heralds and restart the oath pact or kill every single parchment on roshar so that the Voidbringers have no hosts to um to come back on and that's the only two solutions she's come up with so and she's prepared to start enacting on both of them in case you know she can't do one she's going to pursue both so kaladin is very much like hold on mass genocide i'm supposed to protect people hello like <laughs> i i'm not on board with this yep and i don't know what the answer is i'm gonna have to keep reading and see what they do because i i don't agree that they should do nothing and i don't agree that they should just kill everyone so i they're in a pickle yeah, I think a pickle is the right word for it. They're definitely uh, stuck. Um, I, I'm tr I'm thinking more about like this. I don't know how important this is, but this just train of thought and action from Yasna of it being an Elskar thing or a Yasna thing. I think it is just a Yasna thing in general. I'm trying to think of if we've even seen a repeat of a Knight's Radiant yet. Not really. We've seen the like Squires, but I don't count that. Um, but we haven't really seen a repeat of the same Order of Knights Radiant, so... Question for really you. Know if... Have you ever mm -hmm. seen Yasna not in Elskaller mode? Way back in the Way of Kings, she was soul casting without a soul caster. She was already an Elskaller. So... Have you seen... I mean, the only time you've seen Yasna, and even this is arguable, the only time you've seen Yasna not an else caller was the prologue of where's the radiance mm -hmm. from her perspective and she's seeing like shadesmar for the first time or maybe the second time i think she's referenced like oh i've seen this place a, a couple times before or something so that's when she's starting to become an else caller is when gavilar's assassinated so we haven't really seen yasna on screen who's not an else caller so yeah, feels like we can't really know at this point. Yeah, I see what you're saying. I, I'm simply curious to see if our Knights of Radiant like, have, they all have like a like trait or style or thought process, or if it's just you are this order, but that doesn't actually have, pertain to your like mindset or character in a way. Because if so, I feel like that would be odd and kind of predictable if all else callers were just pretty generally like-minded and all Windrunners were generally like-minded. I feel like that would lead to a, a whole host of other problems. Um, a whole, whole army of Kaladins. I would protect those who cannot protect themselves. I would protect those who cannot protect themselves. Yeah. <laughs> all right. This is a Shalon chapter, and we've really talked about Shalon at all. Uh, Shalon who? <laughs> yes, exactly. She's 
she's pushing back on Yasna in this chapter, and Yasna's certainly giving her the you are a misbehaving child, you need to behave in the uh in the council here. She's she can't even take two lines of notes without getting distracted. She starts sketching Kaladin. Um and Yashal or sorry, Yasna calls her out on it and says, Hey, you're uh you're betrothed to Adolin and you're over here sketching Kaladin. What's up? Is this a, a resurgence of our love triangle, Paul? We we haven't really seen it yet, but is this going to happen? You were you were completely convinced that this is going to be a major stickler for Oathbringer and we haven't really seen it. I don't remember saying it was going to be a big thing in Oathbringer, but I probably did. I trust you on that. Um... I think it's funny that you bring it up just because it's, like, we've been talking about these, like, 10 out of 10 level intensity, like, plot things, talking about the ending of their fifth book, and you're like, what about the love triangle? <laughs> I just don't, I don't know how to combat, I don't know how to answer this question right now. Um, there is, so, so, whenever we're talking about this love triangle, it's not a direct, because Shalon and Kaladin would never... They don't like each other, right? They don't. They don't really like each other. Well, like, okay, okay. Hear, hear me out. Hear me out. Okay, it's not. She's not like, ooh, I like Kaladin. It's it's not a direct. I like Kaladin. We've seen hints where it's like, okay, she's being coy or whatever, but she might like Kaladin. You know, right? Um, she openly likes Adolin. Kaladin, it's. Yeah, it's it's a whole messy situation, but yeah, Kaladin will also be like, no, I don't really like Shalon, but he'll like, you know, there's all the hints of like, okay, he kind of likes her. So it's hinted at like, okay, Shalon is with Adolin, maybe something happens, it could honestly happen where Adolin dies, and it could be a more smooth thing, or it could be really messy and be like, oh no, I actually like Kaladin scenario, which would just be, cause a whole host of problems. Um... But yeah, I I I will confess I haven't put much brain power into this love triangle right now. Um But yeah, I am I'm honestly I want Shalon to stay with Adolin cuz Kaladin could do better. I said it. That that's my thoughts. That's my wow. thoughts. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. That's all I have to say. I could go on for a while for that, but I I feel like you might uh, get some feedback in the Discord on that one, Paul. I would I would like to see everyone's thoughts on this, honestly. Of uh, okay, this actually brings me to a point. I want to ask a question directly to either if you're watching on YouTube and can comment, or if you're on our Discord, because I've been thinking this for a while. Of like our two main characters here, Kaladin and Shalon are two primary characters we've followed from the beginning. We've seen in Kaladin's book how he's like this leader, all this stuff, but has a has like a dark side or, or like a stressful tendency, which is his kind of depressive state. And now we've seen through Shalon's book, she has the capacity to be a great leader and, and very like wise person as well, but has this like alter ego kind of struggle and a lot of like hidden stuff. And they both kind of have their 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 struggles, their downsides. Uh, but who do you like more? 
based off of that, or who do you think would be a better leader based off of that? I want to ask you all that first. I made a comment to Trevor about wanting to ask a question, but I feel like I already know your answers. Uh, but I want to open this actually to everyone who's watching this or listening to this to comment in our Discord. Um, pick a side. We'll just we'll just say pick a side, Kaladin or Shalon. You know. I'll I'll do my quick thirty second answer here. I know Trevor's. I don't sure. know if you do. So don't, don't. Okay, I'll let you talk. Here's my curveball <laughs> for you: is that when you're when you're looking for a good reliable leader, depression is actually a really serious thing when it comes to reliable leaders is there are some days when people who struggle with depression just simply aren't there and they they really let themselves down and let people around them who are counting on them like that their their brain cannot um fully function the way that a, a leader's is demanded of them shalon has a different problem of well Who's showing up to lead today? Is it Vale? Is it Shalon? Is it is it uh, Radiant? Radiant, Radiant. Yeah. Is it the all three of them? You know what's happening here? Nobody knows. Shalon doesn't even know. And so you've got two two problems there. I don't know if I can fully answer that question uh, right now. So that's my that's my answers. I don't know. Well, not picking a side. Come on, Trevor. For the record, I didn't answer my own question. I would. I. I. We'd prefer Kaladin. Short and sweet. That's my short and sweet answer. I'll I'll chime in with a short answer too. I I would definitely be on the, the Kaladin side. Maybe if if someone really wants to know, I could maybe type out a, a longer description in the in the Discord someday or something like Likewise. that. But, but yeah, the I think the the honesty part of it is what sways me in Kaladin's way. Kaladin definitely has some problems. He definitely has some struggles. He is not perfect by any means, but he's at least mostly honest with himself. Whereas Shalon is so far from being honest with herself that I can't really trust her. Mm -hmm. It makes it difficult. I think if we were perhaps in the shoes of our characters in the book, as just seeing Shalon externally, we may think different of this. But as the reader seeing all the behind the scenes stuff, um yeah. and, and the lack of trust in herself and the lack of honesty, it makes it very difficult. Right, so I do gotta say though, to kind of segue it back to this this chapter here, I do feel like that despite me just saying that I, I don't trust Talon and I I think that a lot of Yasna's criticism of her in this chapter is fair. I do think Yasna's being a little too hard on her here. Shalon has accomplished a lot since Yasna has seen her last. She's come a long way. And Yasna just wants to pick it up right back where they were and treat her like a you know, a student. And I don't think that's fair. I think Shalon has earned more than that, actually, in this. So I'm I would agree. I'm a little on Shalon's side in this in this scene we're reading here in chapter thirty nine, actually. I also agree. It's kind of frustrating if you put yourself in Shalon's shoes. It's actually really frustrating yeah. to like, Yas has been gone so long and there's been so much stuff that has happened. Basically the entire book of Words of Radiance has happened. And and then Yas is coming back and treating her as if nothing had happened, kind of in that like professional aspect. I mean, 
Yeah, Shalon just nearly single-handedly banished an unmade. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like, who else? Who else in our party here can do that? As far as we know, no one. And so she deserves a little more respect than she's she's getting at this point. Dalinar, Dalinar didn't even know he was there to begin with, so it's not yeah. him. She's like, why aren't you taking notes? And Shalon is like, hello? <laughs> Me? Me? No, like, hold on. Let's talk about this for a moment. Yeah. All right. I'm going to push for. I'll pick up a couple more things from 39, but I want to push forward to 40 before we spend too long here. Uh, Shalon at the end of 39 gets a letter from Marais. And. This letter is not like we would pin Marais as a bad guy pretty, pr- pretty heavily in the bad guy care category. However, there is some very useful information in here. Granted, it's from the lens of Marais, so take it with a grain of salt, if you will. But we get a lot of definitions here, and he knows quite a bit of, and that's the whole point of this letter is... Um, he's trying to tempt Vale into genuinely working with him because Shalon and Vale can gather things from the Ghostbloods and work with uh, work with them to gather information, and that's what he's trying to prove here. Is you can don't shut me out because I know things. A couple things that we find out: Skybreakers, Sons of Honor. Have we heard that definition yet? We've heard that name like once. Okay. Doesn't hasn't uh, the Stormfather always, whenever he encounters Kaladin, is like son of honor. Correct. So that stuff. Yeah. Kaladin's yes. Kaladin's title, according to the Stormfather, is child of honor, son of honor. Um, but we also saw it like in reference to Amram and right. somewhere along the way. Here we get a much clearer. Here's what they are, and here's what they're trying to do, which was like okay. Thank you. That clears up a lot. Right. So, Skybreakers. From what we're told, Nail is has held together his his definition of the Skybreakers, his definition of his Knights Radiant. And their goal was to kill any young budding Knights Radiant who found a spren. They're starting to, to surge bind. And, oh, that means a desolation is coming. We're going to kill you so the desolation is delayed. Um, Sons of Honor completely other side of that coin of we're going to summon the Voidbringers so that we can all surge bind one day because that sounds like a lot of fun so we're going to restore the Voran Church how are we going to do that? We're going to summon the demons from Damnation so that the Voran Church has to do something about it so that's uh, um, that's the of the sons of honor and i don't think we've had gavilar's name tagged to that until now um i i think this is our first time learning that gavilar and amaram if you were paying attention you knew that it was hinted. right because because gavilar and amaram were together in the prologue in each of the prologues like they're in the same room the dark spheres there so and they're in the same you know they're talking about it so but we finally get a definition for their um, their coalition, if you will, as the Sons of Honor. 
and they're trying to and they tell Eshenai this um that we're going to return your gods return the spren um so that you guys get to be void bringers again and then they kill him for it because they're like uh no thank you <laughs> so uh and then while we've defined these two remember that there are two other like behind the scenes i need a good word for these clubs <laughs> they're not clubs factions sure factions there are the ghost bloods who uh Vale and Shalon have been dealing with we don't I'll get come back to them in a second and there's the diagram um don't forget about the diagram with uh graves and um uh, and what they're what they're trying to accomplish so just just to make it confusing maybe you can clear this up for me maybe not yet there's also the envisagers are they just like a minor like cult on the side though, or are they also another like faction we need to worry about? The Envisagers, we've only heard them referenced like once or twice with Tide Teft, right? Yes, correct. Yeah, so yeah, they're just a minor minor cult, I believe. Okay. Um, is the the vibe you're supposed to get there? It's just a like a small church cult of like we're going to throw ourselves off cliffs so that we can search mind and save ourselves. Got it. So we know what the goals of the sons of honor is after this chapter. We know what the goals of the skybreakers are. We kind of knew what the diagrams up to. Not really, but I mean, we, we kind of understand what they're doing. We still don't know what the ghost bloods are doing. Do we like, do we really understand the goals here, what they're trying to accomplish, or if they're just after power, like Moraes was saying, like, I'm just here to to profit, uh, war profiteering? As far as I've understood, it's just like a band of thugs, almost, of just like, yeah, like literal just looking for profit or something, but yeah, we don't know any like greater, greater large-scale motive. Yeah, Hellaran was tied to them though, which makes it seem bigger. But yeah, they're definitely powerful. We're we're definitely getting the impression they know a lot, and they're they're involved in a lot of places. But yeah, I don't know that we can pin down a motive yet. What are they? Clearly, they want to be involved. Clearly, they want to be you know have some control about what's going on. But what are they trying to do? That's a question I don't think we can answer yet. So this is actually kind of an unexpected piece that we're about to tie in here, but we can actually start tying into Shalon's flashback chapters in this episode where uh, Marais, I mean, Marais probably didn't intend this because he doesn't really know Shalon's entire background besides her, her, who her family is, but Marais starts going off about Helleran was trying to become a skybreaker and either he did it himself to try to prove himself or nail specifically sent him to that battle that Kaladin when Amaram were in and uh Helleran was on was there on behalf of the skybreakers so if you tie that back to Shalon's mother and our tragic Shalon having to kill her mom 
and her dad. Um, we get some better context there. Do you, either of you guys want to take this? I, I noticed this and it was incredibly helpful for me because it finally answers the question for me of why Shalon's mother was trying to, was attacking Shalon. That was so confusing up until now. And I mentioned envisagers because that was my running theory was that she was maybe perhaps tied there and was, you know, getting involved in this cult and the cults like, Oh, your daughter might be a, a radiant. You need to kill her to make her become a radiant. That's not the case here. The answer we get here is that she's involved with the skybreakers instead. And so she's killing her daughter because she sees her daughter is becoming a radiant and she's doing it on, on purpose to follow the orders of nail. And maybe that's jumping slightly to a conclusion because I think all that Mraes here says is that her mother was involved with a skybreaker or something like that. But I think we know enough to pull all those pieces together. And at least that scene makes sense now for me. And there's that other guy who's with her mother that like the father kills and not. Yeah. And so there's some outside motivation there of like, that guy's a skybreaker. And so her right. mom, you know, is trying to kill Shalon because she sees her, you know, light weaving on the floor or something like that. So there's, yeah, there's better motivation there, better context there. And then Shalon kills her mom out of self-defense. Right. So, yeah, some pieces coming together there, finally. So there's an offhand comment in this letter of Helleran was probably there to kill Amaram to prove himself to Nail. Or there was a surge binder there that he was after. And then he goes on to explain it's not Kaladin. Because if it was Kaladin, the Sky if the Skybreakers did know about Kaladin, they would have killed him in those nine months where he was a slave and completely defenseless. So were they after somebody else in the army? Who else was there? When I read that section, I thought, like, that's clearly hinting at something. But I can't think of what it could be. The only what if I can come up with, and this is a far-fetched one. It's not a prediction. I don't think this is true. But the only what if I could come with is the 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 phrase that says there in the book says the only member of Amram's army to have bonded a spren was long since eliminated. The only character that we know of that was in Amram's army that was long since eliminated is Tien. It's Tien. Correct. So the what if is, was Tien bonded with a spren and on the path to becoming a surge binder? It seems far-fetched, and I don't want to say that I, that's a prediction I'm making, but it's kind of like a, that's the only name I could think of when I was thinking through this. Paul, I need your help. I see what you're saying. And I honestly don't have much to add other than I've, I feel like there are lots of similarities between Tien and Renarin. And yeah. so I was just Ooh. like, hmm, he's probably another little truth watcher or maybe like, 
I don't know fully how the... We've learned a lot about the Spren world, but I don't know all about the, like, becoming a Knight's Radiant. But, like, what if when Tien was killed, that Spren went to Renarin, and he's now the Truth Watcher, because it's a similar character thing. Which would give some insight to our, like, is it Yasna or is it an Elskaller thing? Um, because I just feel like they have similar styles or personalities um, and things like that. But I... I don't know. I don't have much to say on whether I think that's like an actual prediction or true or not, honestly. But that was just where my mind went with that. The, uh... There's a... I'm sorry. Who they're talking about for the first one of he could have been there for a surge binder could just be Amaram himself. Of Amram could have been starting to search by himself, and at which point, at could he be hiding his Knight's Radiant ability? Is that possible? If he has a Spren and the other Spren don't know about it, or is is that even something that we could like? Do we know that much? Do we? Do you guys think that Amram was search binding at that point, beginning to? don't think so but that would be a twist for sure if amram has been hiding some abilities this whole time it would certainly be a twist i mm, that would catch me really off guard though that seems that seems a little far-fetched to me and it would if that's true it seems like that would be something that the ghost bloods don't know because in this letter mraze is talking about he could have been there for another surge binder but there wasn't any other surge binder or that's kind of like what the implication of it was, or there was another surge binder, but he's not there anymore. And so that seems to imply that Amram would not be unless he is in the ghost bloods. Don't know about it. I don't know. Ghost bloods know a lot. They do. They do. I don't think Amram is a surge binder unless now he has the honor blade or something, but we, I think I would say that if it could just be completely under lock and key to us as the reader, but I think we do have the knowledge now that if we were potentially to reread up until this point and that was ever hinted at or dropped in, we would be able to tell with Amarim moments. Um, unless, like I said, it's literally like under lock and key, like there were no hints of that given. Um, so because of that, in thinking back, I, I'm just going to make the jump that he isn't. Or that if so, we we haven't seen it. Gotcha. Cool. I'm going to cut that thread there. And before we go too long on this episode, just I want you guys' quick thoughts on this one last pinpoint, and then we'll, uh, we'll close out this episode. They can't reach anyone in Kolinar. Not by span read, not by vision, not even really by my messenger. Kaladin's the only one that's been there and back. And his span read did work. Once the um once the high storm came back, he was able to send span reads of, you know, give me time, I'm 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 fine, that type of thing. But Kolinar, the city, as opposed to Alethkar, the the nation, Kolinar, the city is dark. What are your guys' 
thoughts, predictions on that. So my, my initial thoughts on this was we were told the span reads were dark a little while ago, but that, that seemed to make sense for a couple different reasons. The city could be under attack. There could be, you know, we know that there was some sort of a riot where the queen was exposed for her, um, gross misuse of the throne, I guess you could say, or whatever that was. So maybe that there's just kind of an in chaos, no one's responding to their span reads. But then we get the tidbit that no, the Stormfather can't reach there with his visions. Like he can't enter there. He can't talk to anyone there. So now it seems like there's maybe a, a magical force involved here and not just a, oh, well, everyone's running for their lives, so they can't respond to their span read. I... I don't know. An unmade, maybe? That's the only idea I could think of. Like a little cloud around an unmade that's blocking the Stormfather, perhaps? That's an idea. My thought was maybe like Voidspren somehow inhibiting whatever signals. But yeah, I don't I don't have anything very pointed. Do we have any names there. on who's in Colina right now? Well, the queen, I forget what her name is. A Sudan. That one. Hoyd was there not too long ago, but we're under the impression that he's not there now since he do we was. Think that's where... Do we think that's where Talonel is again? Could be. So that's where he originally went to, right? Like, whenever he first came onto the scene? It's where he went to. Amram evacuated her from the Shattered Plains, and Amram is in Yurithiru right now, but that doesn't necessarily mean that Talonel is. He could have mm-hmm. just handed him off to another Sons of Honor agent and ran off to Yurithiru, so... I don't know. Seems strange. Seems... See, another specifically odd thing. It's got to be important, but I can't... I'm not sure why. All right. We can brew on that, I think. We'll read and find out. Hopefully. Well, we'll read. Yes. <laughs> I don't know if we'll find out, but read, we'll read. Read and find out things that you totally forgot were questions from two books ago, and they'll come up and be like, oh yeah, I thought that at one point. Exactly. Alright, let's reconvene next week. Thanks for joining me, Paul and Elliot. Peace. See you guys. Peace.